and welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Interante, and today I am joined by one of my all-time favorite artists, uh, Sandra Lerke. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And you just released your new album, Avatars of Love, uh, which if if anyone hasn't heard it, stop this, go listen to that, and come back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so this is a show about uh, the music we love and why we love it. And you've always been, to me, an artist who really wears their influences on their sleeves. I, I think of you as a big fan of music. You talk about the music you love. You you know try a bunch of different styles and homages to different music. Do, do, is that something that resonates with you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I and I I think it's it's what makes me do this you know obviously i think i was i was a music fan first and then i I started dreaming pretty early on about doing my own music um but i i feel yeah one thing doesn't exclude the other it actually feeds the other and so it's something that i I, it's really important to me to maintain you know yeah yeah i sort of think of it and this is very simplistic but uh you know there's a sort of like john paul divide with uh, (laughs) songwriters where i think you're like a paul right someone who really indulges in loving different kinds of music and trying to write different kinds of music and all that sort of stuff yeah i mean including to the point where the title track of this album you spend three minutes telling the listener to listen to other music (laughs) (laughs) that's not your every time Sex kills, and then may later by the talented Blake Mills. They all come to by Jimmy Blake. A case of you in any tapping you can take. Now play the kiss. By yeah, it, it's uh, it's become uh, more and more extreme. I guess that whole part in, in Avatars of Love just felt strangely liberating. I felt. It was meaningful t- in the song to pay homage to the music that spoke for me before I managed to find the language for my emotions, you know, because that's even if I now am a you know, professional songwriter and artist, it takes me a while to process what I go through. And, and in that period, I, I need other musicians and songwriters to speak for me, just just like anyone else. And 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 that also inspires and informs the ideas that I uh, get into. So it, it has felt sort of uh, like just a long process of, of getting to that point where the music that you love and consume and, and that speaks to your fantasy or your emotions, that also, it blurs the line between what you make yourself and what you're listening to. Right, right. Well, let's go all the way back. Do mm-hmm. you have any specific memories of a first favorite song or a, a moment where you remember falling in love with music? Yeah, I, I have this very vivid uh, memory of hearing the extended version of Take On Me from the, the 12-inch single that my mother would play from the living room. Uh, she would tuck me in. And she would put that on, leave the door sort of open, and and I would fall asleep to the sound of the extended version. That's the first really, really vivid memory of, of music that I can remember. And from that moment on, it felt like music will be my, that will be my world, you know. 
my parents got divorced and we moved from this relatively comfy house for a family. We moved to this tiny uh, apartment on the third floor of a completely different side of the freeway. And that was kind of a hard time for the whole family. But there was one great thing about it, and that was that apartment came with cable TV. And I had never in my life had cable TV. We had only one channel uh, up until that moment. And so I could watch MTV. And and that was a really, really big moment for me because I could access, I could get closer to the music, even music I didn't care for, artists that I found stupid or or scary. You know, I, I could just be around pop music all the time. And it was great. Yeah. And then you yourself started very young. So what were you listening to at the time that was inspiring you to write those songs and have that confidence to put that music out? Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I was very persistent. And so I tried writing songs. I started trying writing songs when I was eight. I think as soon as I got my hands on a guitar, I didn't really want to learn the guitar to play or, you know, I wanted to learn it so I could write songs. That's all I cared about. I didn't practice scales or technique or anything. I just wanted to learn any chord I wanted to hear so I could write a song using it. You know, I think the songwriters that really inspired me around that time, you know, as a teenager were uh, Elvis Costello, Burt Bacharach, I, I listened a lot to a British group called the High Lamas. I discovered, you know, Beach Boys and Brian Wilson. Eventually, Prefab Sprout and Steely Dan were really influential to me. XTC. And then, yeah, I I, uh, I also listened a lot to Brazilian music. And I found, I just gravitated towards it. I, I had a guitar teacher who was half Brazilian. And he taught me some Shobim songs when I was a kid because I was so terrible at classical. He thought, well, maybe... Maybe you'll like Brazilian pop music, you know, and I did. And so I, I, I got that pretty early on. Yeah. And, and in a way, Brazilian music and Bossa Nova, that, that's what led me to jazz, not the other way around. So that led me to Cole Porter and, and all the, mm-hmm. the great jazz age songwriters as well. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's always drawn me to your music is, you know, this laundry list of artists and influences that you mentioned are very apparent in your songwriting, in addition to this sort of through line of your own compositional style and and maybe that comes from your background in bossa nova which maybe we'll talk about more later mm. but you mentioned prefab sprout and i believe that's the first time i had heard you was i think a prefab sprout fan facebook page had posted your song i cannot let you go and said something like oh this is very prefab sprout and check it out and i did and it's great and that whole album heartbeat radio explores a lot of that kind of 80s sophistapop sound but of course, you've also done, you know, harder rock and chamber pop and something adjacent to jazz and all sorts of styles. And I wonder if because, you know, that sort of adolescence and early adulthood is often when we are discovering our taste and voraciously consuming all these different kinds of music to learn about ourselves and what we like and the different kinds of music. And I assume you were doing that as well, except you were also writing and releasing music at the same time. Yeah, probably. And, you know, I I was just really hungry to always find the new kick. I felt I constantly needed it. I I think it also became a really important part of my identity. It was something to hold on to because I I had a recording and touring career really early on. And I was pretty level-headed and adult in, in some ways. But I do think that 
all this music that I took in, I think it it meant something bigger to me. That was sort of a, a, an identity to lean on, you know, or a protection almost, a protective shield in a sense, you know. And 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 I was very protective of my process. And mm-hmm. music for me has always been about freedom and independence to express and do do anything you want and and to not be responsible for anyone or that lack of responsibility. That's to me music. And and, and I think I found that freedom a lot of the time, obviously in, in my own music, but I, I needed to constantly connect with it in, in other people's music. Also to see what other things were possible than what I was doing. Do you find that you know, nowadays that's still the case, or is there something specific that you listen for when you're hearing music, whether that's, you know, lyrically or harmonically, something that particularly excites you? It's really hard to describe. Um, it's, I feel like whenever I try to, I, I, I just end up speaking in platitudes and the older I get, the harder it is to identify what is it that triggers you. And, you know, the, the last 10 years I've been maybe less interested in traditional harmonic singer songwriting and uh, more into what is to me the unknown into abstract music and ambient music and dissonant music. And so that's been sort of a passion that I don't always know what it's for, but that opens up a new understanding of music that more and more seeps into the way I I work in the studio and the way I write songs, even though I still write, you know, melodically and harmonically in a certain style, but I feel like I have a greater range to to work from. I find it really hard to describe what it is. Obviously, I I like a certain kind of chord or a certain kind of harmony. But then again, I I also, you know, sometimes if people will play me something that they think I'm going to like, because it it has like the major seven chord or something, it's very often I feel, well, but that's the wrong (laughs) use of that. You know, I, I, I I recognize that there's a connection between a certain chord that I use and a certain chord, but I will then have a stronger disagreement with the way it's used. And that's why I guess I I get more interested in stuff that has, in a way is, is completely different because there I can really learn something and stimulate my senses and, you know, get my face melted in in a different way, you know? Right, right. Okay, so with all of that in mind, Sandra, what is the song that makes you scream, this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life? (laughs) Um, It is a song by Antonio Carlos Shabin called Waters of March in in English. And then originally in in Portuguese, it's uh, Aguas de Marzo. This is such a great pick because, you know, like we referenced earlier, I think there's so much of uh, all Bossa Nova, but maybe this song in particular in your writing. So just just to give a little bit of background, uh, Jobim is a, a Brazilian Bossa Nova writer, composed Girl from Empanema and, and many others. This is kind of a later song from him, 1972. Before we dive into the composition itself, is there a particular recording that fascinates you or is it really any version of this song? Well, to quote myself in this song, the title track from the new album from Avatars of Love, I do make a reference to Aguas de Marso, Waters of March, any translation key or read from any chart. So I guess I, I do have an right. appetite for any rendition of this song. Uh, yeah. And I, I have to say, I, I, it's a very complicated, complex song. The lyrics are really, really interesting and tricky. But I have yet to hear a totally terrible version of it, you know? So 
I do think it's a song that is so solid and so itself that it it can't really be be broken. And I think there there are several versions by Shubim. Obviously, he was not mainly a singer, but a, a composer. And so his voice is limited, but very, very charming when he sings right. it. But there's a duet that he does with Elis Regina. Mm-hmm. And it's very playful and, and beautiful. And it, to me, that's the ultimate rendition. Yeah, it's it's interesting. My co-producer, Catherine, here, just before we logged on, said that the version she had listened to in preparation for this was the Art Garfunkel. And right. even that. You, you know, no shade to Art Garfunkel, who I think does have a beautiful voice, but not necessarily someone I would pick <laughs> to have a rendition of this. No. <laughs> but so in in particular, I I don't know if this is the case that you came to this song very early in your career or or not. But I think one thing that I've actually talked to you about in the past is your use in, in your songs of this sort of descending chromatic chord progression that you typically use as sort of at the end of a chorus as a cadence to get back to the tonic chord. song is all that it's like the entire song mm. is that descending chromatic chord progression so i i actually wonder is that a connection did did you learn this song very early on or is it just you know maybe a coincidence no it's it's one of the songs that my guitar teacher tried to teach me when i was eight nine ten maybe i guess as he was realizing that there was no point in trying to teach me music theory and classical music and technique, all that stuff just went out the window. He started teaching me um, Girl From Ipanema and Corcovado and some of the other Jobim songs. And he was very excited about Waters of March. At the time, I thought it was really, really interesting, but it felt really far out. Like I, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I remember feeling like I didn't quite understand where it began because yeah. he would play it and <laughs> sing it. Uh, I, I love the chords, and I, I already then I remember responding to the the descending sort of motif. It's it's like it just the whole song just keeps going going down in a way. Right. It's 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 very beautiful, and he sang it in in Portuguese. So you know that's the first time I heard it, and I was really young. So obviously it feels like you know that either it spoke to my nature or it helped define my nature. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of song that I I keep coming back to. Uh, in for inspiration and and i feel now more than before i'm i'm able to sort of really i don't know grasp it uh, which makes it sound like i'm sort of figuring it out but i just mean like only recently i feel that my own songwriting is sort of and maybe lyrically more so it's it's sort of rising to the the challenge of of that song you know there's i just realized that the title of of one of my recent songs dead of the night that comes from the english version of waters of march and you know there's a there's a reference to dead of the night and at this point it's just become a part of my vocabulary both harmonically yeah. and lyrically and so you know entrenched in me that i i don't even 
think about it anymore. Right. But it's really interesting because it's such a evocative and specific lyric that manages to sort of span like it feels like it spans a whole life cycle. But at the same time, it's it does it in in these really really specific images, and, and it toes the you know the line between beauty and grotesque stuff, and life and death, and all these things. And that's something I've become more aware of lately. It's that kind of song that, in a way, it's about everything, points to everything, and it takes on everything. And and I think that is one way that it has inspired me on on the new record on on Avatars of Love, and certainly on some of the bigger songs like like that of the night where. I feel like the perspective is zoomed out much more than I have been able to in the past. And, and it's a song about everything, you know? Right. And and I realized that to me that there's no greater example or achievement of that than, than Waters of March. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this song and everything else. And if people have not yet heard Avatars of Love, you know, go do that right now. It's wherever you get your music. And uh, Sandra, where can people find you online? You know, I'm on I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. If they prefer Norwegian Twitter, I have a Norwegian Twitter account as well and Facebook. And I think I'm on TikTok as well, but I'm not very good at it. So any any tips or advice is greatly appreciated. But yeah, just under my name, Sandra Lerke, nice. which is harder. You know, I I don't know how to we'll, spell it even, It's but it's, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a link in the well, show what's notes. My people name? will find you. Yeah, yeah. a link yeah. Will, will help people. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and review. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at GreatSongPod. That's G-R number eight song pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Interante Scott. That's I-N-T-E-R-R-A-N-T-E. Big thanks to Catherine and Izzy for helping co-produce this podcast. And of course to Skylar Spence, whose song Kratos in Love is our theme music and thank you to you for listening and i look forward to talking to you next time